0: We're going to jump in tonight. Uh, I have a friend of our family with us tonight, Pastor Melissa. Her and her husband pastor uh, an incredible church in the Houston area. Uh, Pastor Melissa is not only an ordained minister and served in several different leadership roles at the national level at a very young age, but she has a heart of education. She has started several different initiatives for at-risk youth. She has developed mentoring and coaching and staff development. She's also developed a sermon or three, uh, and she's got one for us tonight, and you better come hungry. Get ready. If you've got a note, your pen and your pencil, pull them out. We're gonna gonna be some note-taking fools tonight. If you got your cell phone, you can pull it out and take notes, but do not be scrolling. Be writing that stuff. God wants to meet. If you can do without God tonight, you will. If you can do without more of God tonight, you will, but if you're saying tonight, I need, I need something, I want you to know Jesus, the same God who met Moses, just like, by the way, that, that's Janet Yancey's daughter that gave that word er- earlier. She pretty cool, that Sage Elizabeth, I love her. That's my girl. Uh, come expecting, God's gonna speak. And we're going, to re- we're going to respond tonight. All right? Come on, Timber Creek Church. Would you guys help me welcome Pastor Melissa to the house today? Thank you, Thank you Pastor. God
1: bless you. Hello, Timber Creek family. How are you today? You're looking good. And I know it's all the, the Gen Zers in here making you look good. Ooh. Hey, come on, guys. I'm giving you a shout out there. No. You uh, older than Gen years don't look so bad yourself. The water here in Lufkin must be great. <laughs> Amen, so good to see you. Whether you're from Lufkin, Nacogdoches, the Iglesia, Timber Creek, un saludo de parte de, de nosotros, it's truly an honor to be with you tonight and share the word for your first Wednesday. And I thought, what better week than the week of Easter? the week that changed the entire world, that changed maybe your life, and I know it changed my life, to come together and gather before we celebrate big and watch Jesus do this weekend what he's always done For many, many years since then. Thank you, Pastor Yancey, to your beautiful wife, your family, for just the invitation and trusting me with this assignment. Um, I bring you greetings on behalf of my husband, who was not able to be with us for obvious reasons. We do pastor a church, but I was like, I'm taking the day off. I'm going to go party with my friends in Lufkin. So truly, it's, it's an honor to be with you all. i uh, send you greetings as well from my family. You'll meet them a little bit later. Oh, okay, they popped it up already. Oh, no, maybe not. That's just the, the confidence monitor. Sorry about that. <laughs> don't look back. Don't look back. You will mess up my sermon. Please don't look back yet. I also bring you greetings from our General Superintendent, Pastor Doug Clay, and our Executive Presbytery. I have the honor of sitting around uh, the board of the National General Council, along with the Dr. Terry Yancey, the father of your pastor, and just a person, a godly man, a man of wisdom, and a spiritual father to many. He's leading in the Kansas Network, so it's been such an honor to work with him, serve alongside him, and your beautiful Mama Karen. She's amazing. They're a gift to our fellowship. Thank you, Kansas, for sharing, us, sharing them with the fellowship. But thank you, Jeremy, as well, for sharing your parents with us. Amen. How many are ready for a word tonight? I know I'm hungry for a word. And I want to talk to you for a few moments on the waiting room of life. The waiting room of life. How many of you have ever sat in a waiting room before. And I don't mean just waited, but you really waited. <sighs> yes, yeah, so I got a witness out there. You you were at the same doctor's clinic I was. <laughs> I remember on one occasion walking into this doctor's office. I had an appointment. I was not a walk-in to see my doctor. I had an appointment. Had been on the schedule for months. I get there and they do, "Thank you, ma'am. You've signed in. You may take your seat." So I sit down, I make myself comfortable, and I flip through a few Reader's Digest. I keep looking at my clock, because I'm thinking, man, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes? Uh, man, this is what, what's, t- what's the big holdup? So I begin to take out my phone, and I'm scrolling, and I'm going, and, and then um, 30, 40 minutes, hmm, what's going on? When all of a sudden, as the door keeps opening, I keep getting to the edge of my seat like I'm going to get up, and it's not me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I was just looking for something, just, yeah. And I'm thinking, I'm trying to encourage myself in the Lord. I'm like, Melissa, the next time the door opens, it's going to be you, girl. Just have faith. It's going to be you. They're going to call your name. And lo and behold, they never did. Until almost two hours later, less than two hours later. And the nurse comes and I, I'm going to the door and, and I'm ready to say everything that you know you would have wanted to say. But, but the Holy Spirit cut me off. Be like, girl, you better remember Grace. Be saved, act saved, you a pastor. <laughs> and the nurse says, I am so sorry, Miss Alfar, and I'm already anticipating, yes, yes, I know, because the delay. No, I'm so sorry, but your doctor just got called out to deliver a baby. We're gonna have to reschedule your appointment. I am like, you tell that lady she can wait a-. no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. If there's any pregnant ladies here, please do not throw tomatoes, I'm just kidding. I'm a mama myself. But I thought two hours, all the waiting. And you know, the only thing you can do in the waiting room is sit and wait. You can't push time, you can't speed it up, you can't make things happen. Have you ever found yourself in that infamous seat, not by choice, not by chance, not because you went looking for it, but in a waiting season? How do you respond? to the waiting rooms of life when God sends them your way. Yes, I did say when God sends them your way. You see, I believe our fast-paced, program-driven, list-oriented society has taught us to interpret stillness and waiting as a waste of time. And it interprets busyness and activity and in and speed as as success and as growth and as booming. But let me tell you, when when sometimes the way we play relationship with God is if God slows down, if time slows down, then that means I speed up because he must need a little of my help. And we will get to the point where we are even frustrating ourselves trying to resolve situations that only God has control of let me tell you the waiting rooms of life may make you feel helpless but they are not useless in the hands of God The waiting room is not your final destination. In fact, if you feel stuck tonight, if you feel on hold, if you feel your life is paralyzed, like you've been in the same waiting room for the last five years, 10 years, 15 years, waiting and praying and nothing is changing around you. I'm here to remind you that waiting rooms are not your destination, but they are merely a stopping point and transient to where God is taking you. It is not about the arrival, but it's about what God. And wait. You see, because when we're going, it's all about what we can do. It's all about who we know, what we have control of. But when you sit and wait, your hands are tied, your feet are tied, and you got to rest on Jehovah Father and say, I may not be able to move, but I know the one that parted the waters. I may not be able to convince anybody with my words, but I know the one who makes the cedars break in the forest with his voice. When we Wait. Let me remind you that God is not only with you in the waiting room, but He is working in you as you wait. You know, Jesus had a waiting room in His own life as He was leading on His way to the cross. Before the resurrection, and we don't usually talk about this on Easter Sunday because it's all about the resurrection, but did you know before the resurrection, there were three days of silence with the tomb with Jesus' body in it. Before the, the, the tomb and the resurrection, and even before the cross, there was a lonely garden of Gethsemane. We love to preach that Sunday's coming, and I'm so glad in a few days Sunday is coming because it's resurrection Sunday, and I know God's going to give new life to people, but can I tell you, even when? Sunday seems so far out of reach. Let me tell you, sometimes it conditions us to think, this this mentality of Christianity, where God is just there to bless us and give us, we always think that we are living or walking a Christian walk where everything, it's conditioned us to think, everything's gotta be good news, everything's gotta be open doors, our God's gotta be a yes God, and if he ever says no, we're offended by him, or if he says wait, not yet, we get our feelings hurt, but let me tell you that sometimes, we forget that God is using the waiting rooms of life to speak to us and work inside of us. Let's go back to that first waiting room. I want you to open your Bibles with me. Garden of Gethsemane, Luke chapter twenty-two, verse thirty-nine. Luke twenty-two, verse thirty-nine, it says like this: Jesus went out as usual to the Garden of Gethsemane, the Mount of Olives. And his disciples followed him. And on reaching the place, he said to them, pray. Everybody say pray. pray. Pray that you will not fall into temptation. And he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them. And he knelt down and he prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. I want you to read 42 with me again. Here we go. One, two, three. Father, if you are willing, Take this cup from, but not my, but yours be done. Verse 43 says, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Here we find Jesus intentionally getting away to pray. This was a common practice of his during his ministry on earth. And I believe Jesus knew that his inner fortitude was determined and even shaped by the voice and the presence of the Father. And in those instances throughout his ministry, when he was weary or even before going into a big miracle, he knew I need to get away. He wasn't about just feeding people, but he was also about being fed. And here he is before his divine assignment on earth comes to an an end and he knows he's He's the Trinity, God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. He knows the cross is ahead. He knows the, the mountain, the Golgotha. He knows all of that, the bloody way. He knows that that is coming. And rather than lean into his divinity, I think the Garden of Gethsemane allows us to see a little bit of his humanity. Because verse 42, he says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. You know, if I were Jesus in that garden, I wouldn't have said, if you're willing, I'd be like, Jesus, be willing. Take it. I don't want to drink this cup. I don't want to drink this Kool-Aid. I, 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 you know, I thought I was, but come on, there's got to be another way. If there's an easier way, why don't you do that now? Can you send Michael and the angels down to, from heaven now and just go a different route? If there's any other way, God, right now would be a good time to show up. But Jesus says, if you're willing, take this cup. But he continues to pray. It's not a coincidence that he's praying this prayer in the garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane was known as the place of the olive press. The only way to extract oil from an olive is to crush it, to step on it, to press it. It produces a valuable resource. Many of us use it daily to make our food to cook with, but it requires an excruciating process to get the oil. Ironic how Jesus is in the place of crushing, the place of the olive press before his body is literally going to be crushed for our sins. Scripture says he felt the weight and the pressure. In fact, his physical body manifested the signs of anguish. What did verse 44 say? As he prayed, his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. But yet in the pressing, no matter the pressure he felt, no matter if perhaps the internal struggle he had in that moment, do I really want to do this? Why didn't we send an angel instead? No matter those those thoughts perhaps going through his mind, he finishes that prayer saying, but not my will, but yours be done. I believe there are a few lessons that we can learn from Jesus about the waiting rooms of life. Lesson number one, if you're taking notes. When we wait, God works. Now there was a quote someone once said. They said, when I work, I work. When I pray, God works. So let me repeat that. When we wait, God works. Just because you have not been able to work it out on your own does not mean that God is not working in you. There's a few ways that he works in us. Number one, God uses waiting seasons to redirect us, to redirect our life. Proverbs 20:30 says, sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. God will use waiting seasons to to get our attention, to nudge us in a certain way. Sometimes we feel stuck, we feel on hold, we're just waiting there and we're like, God, just move me out of here. And God's like, I don't wanna move you yet because if I move you, you're gonna go in this direction and I don't want you to go right, I want you to go left. So I'm gonna keep you in this chair till your heart and your feet can line up with my will. You know, my husband and I, you can go in and put that picture of my family, introduce you to my beautiful family that God has given us. My husband and I have been married for 20 years, and 15 years, 15 of those 20 years, we walked through a waiting room of infertility. I was medically diagnosed with unexplained infertility. Do you know what that means? I don't either. It's unexplained. and it was about the 10th year in of this whole waiting room process we i miraculously not we my husband had well he had to do with it but he didn't have to carry it i miraculously get pregnant and we're so excited, first child, a miracle, 10 years, and praise God, we're ready to celebrate. And months in to the pregnancy, I suffer complications. Christmas Day, we have a miscarriage. Everybody's singing, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la. And I am in the, the ER, like everything as crazy and gory as it could be, it was happening right then, and we were losing our child. I gave birth to my child that day, no heartbeat. I felt like God just said, I thought, I thought, I was walking out of this door in this season. God, you gave us a child. Why are you just taking it away? And I felt like God was saying, go back and sit in the waiting room. I'm not done. And I thought, what do you mean? Ten years? You're not done yet? Have I not learned my lesson? What did I do wrong? All those thoughts go through your head. And it wasn't until four years later after that, or a little after that, God began to stir into me and say, let me deal with your feet, and let me deal with your heart. You think you're ready for a baby, but I need you to be ready to be a spiritual midwife and mother to other women. So God used that waiting room season, the chair I did not wanna go back to and sit in, the chair I did not wanna kneel down and pray at again because I was so angry and hurt. God used it. said, I'm gonna redirect your feet. I know your feelings are hurt, I know you don't understand it, but I'm gonna use you to pray, to intercede, and to minister to women, to ministry leaders, to people and couples in your church that have gone through barren seasons. And as I began to minister to other people, God began to heal me. Notice, I didn't get healed when I got a baby. I didn't get healed when he gave me my miracle. I got healed the moment I was in the waiting room and I finally started to walk in the direction that he had wanted all along. When I aligned my heart with his will, I was healed. Four years in, after seeing five of the ladies that were told 1% chance of pregnancy, no chance of pregnancy, they've been trying infertility as well, in those four years, five, five women gave birth for the glory of God. And yes, praise the Lord. And I was number six. And actually, this is my fifth Easter anniversary. The first five years ago on Easter, we were not in our church. I was not in the waiting room. I was in the labor and delivery room on a good Friday, giving birth to my baby boy, J. David, who's now five, he just turned five. And then because God can do it and he loves us, he puts the cherry on top and the princess in our home who thinks she's the queen, but I got to set her straight sometimes, is our two-year-old girl thinking she's five years old, Jalissa Jael? because God can do it. That's Jesus. That's Jesus who turned a waiting room into a delivery room. God can use waiting seasons to push us into his purpose. God can also use waiting rooms to inspect us. James 1, 2, and 3 says, My brothers and sisters, when you have many kinds of troubles, you should be full of joy because you know that these troubles test your faith. Faith, and this will give you patience. The Greek word for test is it's trying your faith. It's proving your faith. It's Jesus going and putting the weights little by little. I'm going to put two pounds on this weight bar. I'm going to put three pounds. I'm going to put five. I'm going to see how much you really got. Because I know you're yelling a lot in church. I know you're standing in your seat and worshiping. But let me put a little weight of life there to see how much, what capacity does your faith have to carry? He'll use it to inspect us. Because you notice problems in waiting rooms don't cause things to happen to us. They reveal what's really going on inside of us. And that's where God begins to show us, you always thought it was this. And you were trying to deal with the symptoms in your marriage, in your life, and your relationships, in your family, and your home, in your thinking habits. You thought these symptoms were the, were the issue. But when you get into the waiting room, I'm going to show you what the root is, Jesus says. Number three, God uses waiting rooms to correct us. Psalm 119, 71, 72. I know someone's saying, move on. I don't want this point. (laughs) The punishment you gave me was the best thing that could have happened to me. For it taught me to pay attention to your laws. They're more valuable to me than millions in silver and gold. You see, some lessons we only learn through pain and failure. Let me talk to you, young people. Your parents. I got two kids of my own. I don't want them to go through pain. And I don't want them to fail. But sometimes, can we be real, and even our generation was that, we a little knucklehead. And we get stubborn. And we don't want to listen. And I know, Mom, I know. My five-year-old's saying that. I'm like, I've got to deliver him of that spirit because we're not going to go the next 13 years like that. <laughs> and sometimes, waiting rooms aren't God punishing us. It's sometimes us bringing those consequences on to ourselves. But it is that pain and failure that God uses to teach us. To correct us. Number four, God uses waiting rooms to protect us. Mm. What you interpret as a problem can be a blessing in disguise if it prevents you from being harmed by something more serious. I think of Joseph in the book of Genesis. There he was in Potiphar's house. I wonder if Joseph thought, man, I've been promoted from the pit as a slave to now I'm in Potiphar's house. He trusts me. I'm over all of his household. This is it. I have arrived. And then all of a sudden he's falsely accused and he's like thrown five, 10 levels down and he's imprisoned. What I like about this is while he was in a waiting room again, I think it was more than just God preparing him for, his, for the palace and what great position he was going to do, but I truly believe God was protecting him from his brothers, from, him, from his self, maybe pride, so that he could get to the place God needed him to get and be a catalyst to preserve God's people. What does he tell his brothers when he is reunited with them? Genesis fifty twenty. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. This word is for someone. Sometimes God's no is not God withholding from you, but he is protecting you. He'll protect us. Lastly, God uses waiting seasons. To perfect us, Romans 5, 3, and 4. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they're good for us. They help us learn to be patient, and patience develops strength of character in us and helps us trust God more each time we use it until finally our hope and faith are strong and steady. You can only carry things in life with strength. God can use waiting seasons to build our character, and let me tell you, God is far more interested in building our character than He is in making us comfortable. I remember I learned the value of this early on in our ministry. We had just moved to Houston. As soon as we get to the church a few years in, there was a huge, huge attack that came to our church. And I, we felt personal, like it was a personal attack of the enemy Almost two years, we had to deal with an individual that would come to our service and disrupt and distract and uh, sometimes even do things to some of the people that were coming. I mean, it was one of the things that a pastor, we couldn't sleep at night. We were, we're calling legal. We're trying to get counsel. How do we do this? How, almost two years, Pastor Jeremy. And we were to the point, I remember being in my prayer room at the end of this, and I was venting to God. I was like, God, deal with this. How long do we have to go on like this? This is a disruption. I know you didn't call us to Houston, so we'd have to put up with this every Sunday and Wednesday. Intervene. And at that moment, because this is just the way the Holy Spirit talks to me, I felt like he tapped me on the shoulder. You finished? Listen. Yes, oh holy that one, I am finished. And he says, do you want me to heal the person? or do you want me to get rid of them? Let me tell you, God was dealing with our heart. God had such a redemptive way after that moment of fixing this whole situation that only he could do. Let me see. when we feel stuck in the waiting room of life, we're tempted to cry out, God, I need relief. God, rescue me, rather than God, refine me. God, I need comfort. Give me the spiritual pain medicine that will make this go away. Take that person out of my life, that student on the team, that, that parent that, that abandoned me and keeps calling and trying to reconnect. Get those people out of my life. Just remove them. And God's saying, you don't get it. You're sitting in a waiting room and I got you for a reason because I don't want to just give you comfort. I want to heal your heart. I want to do something in you. I want to build character. I want to use you to touch those around you. Can I encourage you tonight to allow God to not just work around you, but to work inside you when you're in that waiting room. Second point, Jesus is in the waiting room with you. The Bible says in verse 43 that Jesus prayed an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. It reminds me of a contest author Leo Buscagli was asked to judge. He was asked to find the most caring child. The winner of this contest was a four-year-old child. The little boy had a neighbor who had recently, an older gentleman, he had recently lost his wife. And one day upon seeing this man cry in grief, the little boy saw him from his window and he walked out of his house and he went into his yard. He went up to the porch, he got up on his lap and he sat there. And the mother later asked her son, what did you do, what did you say to him? He said, nothing, I just helped him cry. See, I feel like that's what Jesus does. We think it's it's just us and we're all alone, but can I remind you that in those waiting rooms, Jesus is right there next to you. Jesus is wiping every tear. Jesus is holding your hand. Jesus is holding you up. Jesus is hugging you when you're tempted to say, I'm done with this. I'm finished with this marriage. I'm done with this job. I'm done with this ministry. I'm done with this class. I'm done with whoever and whatever you're going through. Jesus is right there saying, don't usurp now. Don't get out now. I know you can't see it yet, but I'm right here with you, and I'll hold you up. He's our great high priest. He can empathize with our weakness. And he gave us the best helpmate on this earth and that's the Holy Spirit. Perikletos in the Greek literally means the one that comes to be alongside you. So when you're on that court or you're on that field or you're in that locker room and you think, man, I feel all alone in this culture, in this atmosphere, my friends doing this or or they want to go this way and I just feel like I'm living for Jesus all by myself. Jesus is right there in the locker room with you. When you're at home, when you're doing business, when you're, when you're at your office, when you're at school, when you're online, Jesus is right there with you. Holy Spirit is right there with you to comfort you, to counsel you when you're in that doctor's office and you just got the bad diagnosis. Holy Spirit is right there with you to guide you into truth, to convince us of all wrongdoing. Jesus is there with us. Last point, I wanna end with this. If you're taking notes, Psalms 34:18, the Lord is near to those who are discouraged. He saves those who have lost all hope. Our pain does not cause Jesus to be repelled in any way. In fact, he's drawn to our brokenness and our pain. He quiets us with his love. Zephaniah 3:17 says, for the Lord your God is living among you. He's a mighty savior. He'll take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he'll calm all your fears. Notice it doesn't say with his word, with his deeds just his love, his presence. Jesus is in the waiting room with you. Last point, had somebody reminds us that waiting seasons are not wasted seasons. Jesus' waiting room pressed something out of him. And I don't know what your waiting room is pressing out of you right now. Maybe everybody else on social media know what it's pressing out, because. You're spilling it, spilling all your drama and business. I'm sorry, not sorry for this long post and rant. And then it's like. But Jesus, when he was pressed in the olive press, he continued to pray. And you know what came out of him? Obedience and surrender. Obedience and surrender. And I wonder what motivated him. But Hebrews 12, 2 says, it tells us, it says, because of the joy set before him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. What I love about this is Jesus knew on the other side of my travail. On the other side of the red blood spots that are that I'm sweating out, on the other side of my questions, on the other side of the Father having to turn his back on me because I'm taking the sin of the world on my back, on the other side of the pressing, on the other side will be a willingness of someone saying, God, God the Father, you were pleased with me in my ministry. You were pleased with me when all was going well. Be pleased in my obedience as I wait, as I go to the cross. I'm all Will, but your will be done. Obedience. Let me tell you, the waiting room will not be the end of your story. Hatsemane was not Jesus' destination, but it prepared him for his destination. I don't know what waiting room you feel that you're in right now, but it's not the end. It's not your alphine. It is just preparation for where God's gonna take you. I want you to stand with me tonight. Sometimes when we're in a waiting room, all we can see is what's right in front of us. Doesn't feel joyful and perhaps you find yourself there today. Maybe you are sitting in that seat today. Maybe you're like that kid that says, the parent says, sit down. No, I don't wanna sit down, sit down. No, 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 sit down. Kid finally sits down. I'm sitting down here, but in here, I'm standing up. Some of us have done that to Jesus. I'm gonna be in the waiting room, but I'm gonna have attitude about it, God. I'm gonna make sure everybody knows that I don't like this season. Listen, there are marriages, there are families, there are people, there are students, there are young people, even college students in this room today that I felt God show me you are frustrated in this waiting room chair. You're angry, you're upset, and you're taking it out on innocent bystanders in your family, in your home, or other people around you when you know God has you here for this season, and he's working on you. There are some that are given the silent treatment to God. There are some who are offended with God because he has not worked according to your life plan and your timetable. There are even some that have stopped praying and believing for the promise because all they can see is the chair. Don't get distracted by the process. Don't let the process take your eyes off the promise. What did Jesus say? For the joy set before him. In other words, he had to look up, not down, not around, let me tell you, that gives us a great lesson. The Apostle Paul said this in Romans 12, 12. Be joyful in hope. What is he saying? When you got to wait and you got no control over your surroundings or people around you, the one thing you can control when you can't adjust your feet, you can fix your eyes. You can fix where you're looking, where your sight is. Put your eyes on things up above and not on the things earth. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We look up, we look up. I don't know what waiting room you find yourself in today, what waiting season, but this was the word I heard as I prayed for you. Somebody needs to hear this. Expect a miracle rather than set yourself up for disappointment. I don't know who that's for, but God's saying you've been here and it's been long and you're tired and you have lost sight of the promise that God told you. You've already said it's out of my reach. Let me tell you, it's not out of God's hand. Expect a miracle this Easter, expect a miracle, and don't set yourself up for disappointment in your family, in your relationships, in this church, for Easter Sunday, for everything he wants to do in this community and through your life as you bring someone to Jesus. Expect a miracle. I pray that as we pray in these next few moments, and I'm gonna invite the prayer team to make their way up. If that waiting room is pressing you in right now, this is the prayer I pray that you pray today. I'm all in God, I'm all in God. Not my will, but your will be done. Regardless of what life or season you're in or what you're going through, if tonight you say, I wanna pray that prayer, I'm saved. It, we're, this isn't a salvation prayer, but just you're thinking, God, where I'm at right now, I wanna be all in. I don't wanna fight with you over the things that you're trying to do in me or around me. I wanna be part of the solution. And I just want you to lift your hands where you're at and I want you to pray this simple prayer just like Jesus did. Every head bowed and eyes closed, lift that hand up where Jesus can see it today. And I want you to just say, Jesus, I'm all in. You endured the cross, I can endure the waiting room. Do whatever you want to do in my life. Not my will, but your will be done. Let me pray over you right now as you pray privately. If you want to come up, if you feel led and you want somebody to agree with you and pray with you, the prayer team is here. But I'm going to pray one general prayer and then I'll pass it to Pastor Jeremy. But Father, we come before you right now, Lord, and we thank you, God. We thank you for being in the waiting room with us. Thank you, God. I pray tonight that we would each open our hearts to you. And before we pray or say change others or change them or change our circumstances, that we would say, God, work in us. Inspect me, God. Heal me. Build my character. Correct me. Redirect me. Protect me. Guard our heart tonight from being offended by the processes and people that you choose to use in our life in this season change how we pray in the waiting room refine me god and heal me i pray that you would strengthen tonight anybody father who feels they have been in that waiting room and it has weighed them down i pray today they would feel the strength of the holy spirit holding them up open their spiritual eyes and make them aware of your presence in this moment and in their life Forgive us when we've tried to become auto-self-sufficient. We ask for your Holy Spirit to walk with us, to sit with us, to cry with us, and to lead us into your truth and promise. And Father, I pray that you use this season today in every life, in every family, in every home, we surrender our waiting rooms to you. We surrender those seasons to you. We are all in. Use every process for your glory. Use the pain that may have come and let it serve as a medicine for someone else, God, for your glory. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Pastor Jeremy, I'm gonna turn it to you, but I have a word really quick. You see, when Jesus was in Gethsemane, his Gethsemane was gonna end in blood. He was gonna die for us. But you need to know that your Gethsemane, your waiting room does not end in blood. When you allow God's hand to take you and keep you and work in you through whatever waiting season you're in, blood doesn't come out. This is what I heard the Spirit say, oil comes out. And what is the oil in scripture? It's song, it's worship, it's healing. What caused you pain in one season? I hear the spirit of the Lord saying, will be medicine for someone else in the next. Don't you let the devil usurp your season. Don't you jump out of that chair before he says move. He's got a purpose for the waiting room. God bless you, Lufkin. We're praying over you. God bless you and let's keep being all in for Jesus.
0: Praise Amen. God. Praise God, praise God. All right, listen, listen to me, everybody, listen to me. We, we, can't, we, we, we can't wait six seconds at a green light without tapping on a horn because the person in front of us is on their phone and we can't wait six seconds. And in moments like this, I believe if we're not careful, Every single one of us in this very moment are gonna dial right out of this of this very moment and get right back to the rush, to get right back to where we're going, to get right back into the parking lot, to get back into the busy pace. If you feel like you are in a waiting season, you're recognizing that and you're gonna embrace the wait, I'm inviting you right where you are I'm not going to embarrass you. Not, I'm going to ask you to step out from where you are and come join us at the front. You don't even have to come to some person. You you need to embrace the weight. I'm not going to keep you. We're, we're going to pray for just a few moments, but you are waiting on something. You're waiting on an answer. You're waiting for a miracle. You're waiting for direction. You're waiting for uh, the, the the breakthrough. You you. I'm inviting you to take this moment and let's not just honk the horn and get back to, what, to life is normal. We can just, we can just take a few moments you can spread out you can find someone to pray with or you can just come in and here's what we're doing here's what we're declaring with moving our feet we're stepping into the waiting room now and we're embracing the weight and they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. His strength renews your. They will mount up with wings as eagles. You can overcome what's holding you down in the waiting room. And so right now I'm inviting you, let's let just the next few moments, let's declare this to God. God, I'm okay with just taking a couple more moments and I'm waiting on you. And I'm expecting you to speak and perfect and direct and correct and inspect search our heart oh God now come on church I'm not going to pray for you you pray you start seeking God right now God for my family for my relationships for the associates for my neighbors they're waiting They, they need hope they need answers they need help they're waiting oh God I pray for them and then you focus on God if you're in a waiting room let's just press in for a few moments let's just wait on the Lord for a few moments I'm gonna invite us to pray now corporately. This is New Testament prayer. We're all gathered in the room and we're we're focusing our prayers together now. And in this moment, in the next few moments that we have, I'm gonna dismiss you in just a couple minutes, but we're gonna thank God and ask God. We teach our children to say please and then. God flips that around and invites us to say thank you and then please. We have been given a word from the Lord, from Pastor Melissa, so let's thank him. God, thank you that you are using seasons to redirect, that you never leave us in alerts. that you're always directing, you're always guiding. Can you thank him for that in your own words? Nobody has to be louder than the next person, but there's something that fills the room with faith when you just pray out loud. Now ask him, Lord, would you direct my path? Would you direct my friend's path? Would you direct this family's path? Would you direct this marriage path? Let's thank him. Let's thank him that that he is a protector, that he protects us from things you didn't even know about, protects us from uh, things that we weren't even aware of, that he's guided us, that he's had us. And let's ask him now, God, we need your protection. I pray that you would protect us in these seasons, Lord, as we're waiting on you. Can you invite the Lord to build your character? Lord, is there any area in my life that is not like you? (laughs) You have waited so patiently for me. Oh, you're so kind, you're patient with me. Your kindness leads to repentance. Search our heart and build our character. Thank you, Jesus, that you're close to the brokenhearted. And now, friends, we're gonna direct all of our attention now beyond ourselves, and we're gonna push outward because we are on the precipice of a major weekend where most people are open to experience the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when that intersection of opportunity is there, there are people that are gonna be in all of our auditoriums from Groves to the Dyball and Duncan units to Nacogdoches to right here at the broadcast location to people joining us online. It's gonna be the intersection of opportunity where the waiting season, the opportunity is now gonna come and God's gonna reveal something and God is going to invite people for a first time or the first time in a long time to truly follow him. We are praying for souls on Easter weekend. Jesus has been waiting on them to take that step. So now we're going to pray over our services from kids to youth to adults. Will you just pray over our services now? Father, we thank you that the same power that raised you from the dead dwells in us. You have empowered us with gifts of the spirit. You have invited us to take an extra immersion into your spirit to be bold witnesses. And I pray that that bold witness would be on display at our Timber Creek locations and all the churches in Lufkin. Oh God, I pray that this would be the greatest attendance of people across the God-fearing, Bible-believing churches in Lufkin, Texas. God, I pray that every auditorium be full of people that have been waiting and hungry and thirsty and looking and searching and twisted up and bound up, that they would become unbound. the the, the lost would be found that those in the despair would find joy those that need hope that feel hopeless would be able to hope again and believe again and trust again and live again though they were dead yet they can be alive because they come in contact with the spirit of the living god this easter weekend we pray for souls to be saved We pray for marriages to start the road to freedom. We pray for the bound up to be set free. God, we pray for prisoners in our prison systems to find true hope and freedom in their hearts. We pray that people would never be the same because they come in contact with the loving, living, all-powerful, all-knowing, almighty, good wonderful cleansing healing blood of the lamb the god of the cosmos the son of the living god jesus may we experience you in a real powerful way this easter weekend may we invite people to experience the 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 power of jesus may we not may we not take for granted these opportunities to worship you in spirit and in truth. And now, Father, finally, I pray for every person that came down in a step of faith today, embracing their weight. Thank you, Lord. You've never seen the righteous forsaken, their seed begging for bread. We're not right in our own eyes, but because of you and what you've done to cover us, we're right. And I pray that in due season, the harvest will be found, the answer will come. We will become who we're called to be as we lean on you and not our own understanding. (sighs) May you develop patience in us, the fruit of the Spirit, to wait on you and embrace it. Thank you, Jesus. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus, the strong Son of God. And everybody said a good, strong amen in the house tonight. Can you thank Pastor Melissa for a wonderful word? Could it be that there is somebody in your sphere of influence that has been waiting for an invite to a church? Please take the invite cards in your seats, pray over them and expect God to use them in the next couple of days. God bless you, everybody. See you this weekend.